Life Audio. I want to start today's show with a question. Are you ready? Here's the question. Have you ever in your life felt like an imposter? (laughs) Have you ever at any moment in your life had the thought, if the people around me knew what I was really all about, if they knew how skilled I really am not, how capable I really am not, how not together I really am, if people knew that, then my cover would be blown. People would understand what I'm really about. My life would be over. Have you ever had the thought, I believe, not that I want to be, but I believe I am an imposter. Today, we're going to talk about something that has a name. It is called imposter syndrome, and this comes to all of us. Uh, I think that as we consider moving forward, march or die, This is a critical piece to consider. There are a lot of people that don't feel like they should be able to move forward. They look at their lives, and as I've mentioned before, they know the uh, kind of dark secrets and the uh, troubles, the trials, the the insecurities that they have while everyone else kind of sees a different side of them. And because of that, they conclude, you know what, as bad as things are, as difficult as things are, uh, there are these obstacles, these trials, these difficulties in front of me. I'm not going to move forward because I don't deserve it. They feel like, and maybe you're one of these people, I certainly have been, feel like we don't deserve to move forward. And if only the rest of the world knew what we were really about, they'd all walk away. Today we're going to discuss imposter syndrome, what that means, what that looks like, and uh, I hope give you a good perspective on that because I believe there is much to be learned. And we'll jump into that as soon as we come back from this short break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome again to the March or Die Show. Again, very glad to have you joining me. This would be a lonely endeavor without you. So for all of you that are listening, thank you for doing that. Really do appreciate it. This is a, a kind of a busy time or a strange time in my life. We've been talking about 
the 22 for 22 challenge. You're probably sick and tired of hearing about it. If you listen to this podcast, just buckle up because you're going to hear about it some, some more. But we're getting close. October 21st is the day that that challenge, that 22 days of activity begins. And for me, that means I'll be doing uh, a marathon a day or a marathon distance a day, 26.2 miles a day for 22 days, beginning on October 21st, ending on Veterans Day, uh, November 11th. So this is a crazy time for me, obviously, trying to plan travel. I'm going to be in four different states and doing some other things, and there's a lot of activity around it, which I'll talk more about. But uh, this is a crazy time. And um, this this topic is one that came to me, <laughs> really, as I've been preparing for this. And I'm going to discuss that with you and uh, share some thoughts that I've had on this. Before we jump into that, though, if you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do that. If you haven't had the opportunity to go to jeremystalnicker.com and uh, learn more about me, you can find my socials there. My blog is there. So much stuff is there. Another podcast I'm involved in as well. You can check all of that out at jeremystalnicker.com. And then, again, I've been mentioning this and we'll continue. The website or the web address for 22 for 22 or the 22 for 22 challenge is simply 22. Those are the numbers. Four, that's F-O-R, 22, the numbers again challenge all spelled out.com 22 for 22 challenge.com there are a lot of 22 challenges out there uh, i've talked about this but that number is related to veteran suicide and that number has become synonymous with veteran suicide and so there are a lot of uh, kind of 22 challenges out there and it's good to see people doing things but for the one that we're involved in go to 22 for 22 challenge.com and that would be fantastic a lot of good things going on. And I hope that you are following along. If you listen to this show, I would encourage you, uh, and I don't say this all the time, but I would encourage you go and follow my social media and particularly Instagram. That's where I spend most of my social media time. And that is where the updates for 22, uh, for 22, the challenge are going to be, and you can follow along there. So with all of that out of the way, I declared, (laughs) and I have uh, questioned why I declared this, I declared a few months ago that I believe I can run 22 consecutive marathons in a row. Now, that's 26.2 miles a day for 22 consecutive days. So within every 24-hour period, I need to run a marathon distance. Two of these are um, big marathons. I'm running the Marine Corps Marathon. I'll be running the Charlotte Marathon. And then we're doing a very special event in Conroe, Texas. I've got some other events planned. So very busy time, but but I, I... Listen to some people, and if you want to get in trouble, listen to uh, really talented people because you start to think, I could probably do that. And I listened to an interview where someone said they had just done a series of marathons. They had run 50 marathons in 50 days. So 50 marathons in 50 days. I've been watching some other people who've done some incredible work. Uh, We had Dr. Malachi O'Brien on this show like 160-something marathons consecutively. Uh, There are a lot of people doing some incredible stuff. So I looked at all this, and I thought, I run a lot. I've done some ultras. I believe I can do a marathon a day. So I told a few folks I was thinking about this, and it became this 22 for 22 challenge. As I have been preparing, so we're two weeks away now as I record this, um, as we've been preparing for this, I... I continue to ask myself, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> what in the world was I thinking? Why did I say I could do this? 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you're like, ah, I don't know why in the world I said I was going to do that. But it's become big and it's been become something that a lot of people are a part of now and have uh, have joined. And it's something I can't back out of at the moment. Right. We've got to continue to move forward, march or die. And uh, so I will. But as I've been training for this and some of my longer and I would say more difficult training runs, man, I've been overwhelmed with just the thought that there are professional athletes who do things like this. And I follow a lot of them on social media, and I've had the opportunity to meet some. Um, there are professional athletes that do things like this, but people like me don't do things like this. But because I said I think I can do it, and because I've done a few ultras, and most of the people I know aren't in this kind of endurance running world, um, people have said, do you think you can do it? And, and what is that going to look like? And how will that impact your body? And and uh, asking questions like that, as, as they should but as I've had those conversations and discussions, um, most of the time they end with, man, that's amazing. That's, that's great that you're going to do that, right? It's great that you're going to do that. It's a foregone conclusion. And I've done some of these longer training runs, and I, I have had the thought, there's nothing foregone about this. There are no conclusions that have yet been set. There's a big question mark in my mind. Now, I do believe 100% that I can finish these marathons. They're going to be slow. Um, I'm not going to be setting any records. I'll get them done. I'll get the work done. But I've definitely had moments where I'm like, man, I'm such an imposter. People think I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> a lot of people have gotten behind this and they think I know what I'm actually doing. And I'm just a guy who runs and a guy who likes to push himself. And I really have, and I will, and I will get through it. I'm, I'm not trying to set up a fail. I'm going to get through it. We're going to do this. If I have to crawl these 26.2 miles every day, then that's what's going to happen. We're going to get through it. But man, I'm not a professional runner and I do struggle and uh, it is a big, big goal. And then you start to think, well, other people can do this, but I can't. And if the people who are supporting and the people who are getting behind it and the people who are rallying around it, if they really knew what I was all about, they would turn around and go the other direction. I feel like an imposter sometimes. Now, this is what I'm currently living through, but I have felt this way at other times in my life. I have felt this way when trying to help a, a couple that's struggling in their marriage, and uh, they'll say something to me about my marriage, which is amazing, and I'm so thankful for it, but it's not without struggle. It hasn't been without a lot of really hard work. We have a good marriage because we work really hard. But when other people are struggling, they tend to look at us and, and say even sometimes, uh, you guys don't have the same struggles, you don't understand. And a thought sometimes fills my heart. These people wouldn't listen to me. They wouldn't let me help them if they really knew some of the struggles we have had and some of the long nights and, and long weeks we've had working through things. And if they, if they really knew what it took to get to the appearance of a solid, trouble-free marriage. They wouldn't even listen to me. As a pastor and preacher and teacher, I, uh, man, so many times I've, I've had this thought in the middle of trying to communicate truth to people, holding the Bible, God's Word, truth, in my hands and doing my very best, having studied and prayed and prepared, doing my very best to help people understand what it says and how it applies to their life and, and what God can do if they'll allow him to. And in the middle of that sometimes, even as I'm saying the words, I think to myself, rows of people in front of me 
who came from wherever they came to set aside time today to be here. And if they really knew the struggles that I have, if they really knew some of the, the, the times I've had to cry out to God because I just didn't get it, they would get up and they'd turn around and they'd walk out. It's that feeling of being an imposter. Uh, I've talked to so many um, moms and dads, and I think this is very common when raising children. We raise our kids and we do the best we can to raise them in the very best way possible. And I know there are some bad parents. I I can acknowledge that, right? But I think most parents want the best for their children and they want their kids to grow up and uh, live not only happily as a human and with their own families, but serve the community and serve those around them. Christian parents want their kids to grow up and go out into the world and serve God. We want what's best for our kids. But to get there, there are a lot of long nights, sleepless nights, difficult conversation, tears. (laughs) It's a messy, messy thing to raise kids if you're doing it right. Anyone who says it's easy to raise children, I'm guessing they're either kind of the unicorn out there, the one exception (laughs) in a sea of billions, or they're not really doing it right. Because confronting kids and training kids and discipling kids and raising kids and, and doing your best to do it all lovingly and with, <laughs> without uh, anger and, and, and those emotions, man, it's so challenging. And then someone will, will come up to a parent at church or somewhere else and say, man, your kids are so good. Uh, you're such a great parent. You really have this thing figured out. And in the back of your mind, as you're having that conversation, you're thinking about uh, the 12 hours of yesterday that were a slog as you were trying to work through that with your kids. And if we're not careful, we can come to this conclusion that we're just an imposter. I'm thankful there are really is kind of a move toward more transparency in the Christian community, but I think for generations, Christians were supposed to, it was expected supposed to put up kind of this veneer life. Everything was okay all of the time when the reality is it wasn't. We were all living the same way, but somehow we believe that everyone else actually was what they presented (laughs) and we were the only ones struggling. We feel like imposters. Imposter syndrome is uh, something that has been defined by mental health professionals Uh, From the National Institute of Health, the definition of imposter syndrome is this. It is a behavioral health phenomenon described as self-doubt of intellect, skills, or accomplishments among high-achieving individuals. This is interesting. Behavioral health phenomenon described as self-doubt of intellect, skills, or accomplishments among high-achieving individuals. Now, I would say this is different than hypocrisy. That's a different conversation. That's a separate conversation. When we're talking about someone who is hypocritical or manipulative, they know that the front they're putting up is false, but they're doing it to manipulate others. They're doing it to get something out of other people. That's a different conversation. That's not what we're talking about when we discuss this feeling of being an imposter. In fact, I love that in the definition, it ends with, uh, it is among high-achieving individuals. Uh, 
Now you can take that one of two ways. You can either say compared to high achieving individuals, I look at my life and I look at other uh, people who are high achievers and I feel like an imposter next to them. But the reading that helps me is to look at this and say, you know what? It is high achieving individuals that struggle with this idea of imposter syndrome. It's people who are trying to be the very best parents they can, but know the struggles. Be the very best employee they can, but know the struggles. Have the very best marriage they possibly can, but they know the struggles. Uh, to be the best teacher or preacher or discipler they possibly can, but they know the struggles. They know what they deal with personally. Whatever other endeavor God leads us into, to say, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll, I'll move into that. I'll give it all I've got. <laughs> But that's not without struggle, without difficulty, without trial, without these obstacles that so often prevent us from moving forward. <clears throat> when we consider this idea of imposter syndrome or this, this kind of belief that we are an imposter, that if only they knew, what we have to get a hold of is a very simple truth from Scripture. You've heard this one. <laughs> there is none righteous. No, not one. We often take that verse and apply it simply to salvation and our relationship with God, and, and it is that. But what we can also take from that verse is the reality that no one is righteous. No one is perfect. No one is without error or flaw. No one is without self-doubt. We buy into this idea that we are an imposter because when we look at other people, we believe that what we are seeing, what they are presenting is all there is. Now, again, I'm not suggesting other people are trying to be hypocritical or manipulative, but we draw conclusions about other people based on our own experience. Let me say that one more time. We draw conclusions about other people based on our experience. We could say it this way. When we look at other people, we see other people. We see other families, other moms or dads or uh, Christian men trying to do right or whatever. When we see other people, we're not seeing them most of the time with clear eyes. We're seeing them as though we're wearing glasses. And the lens in those glasses is the lens of our own experience. This is why when we look at people, we expect for them to act in ways that others have acted, to treat us in ways that others have treated us. We, we understand our own insecurities and we understand our own failings and we understand our own faults and struggles. And so when we look at other people, we look at them through the lens of those faults and struggles and difficulties, and we assume that they're nothing like us. Now, I don't believe that we should go around all of the time dumping all of our uh, emotional and relational baggage <laughs> out on the floor for all to see. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think in our hearts, we need to be clear on the reality that every single human who has ever lived and every single human who will ever live, uh, first of all, needs to be forgiven of their sin by God. That Jesus Christ died for their sin. Everyone's. There's no one who gets around that or gets past that. Why? Because there's none righteous. No, not one. 
that's a starting point. We then need to understand that the struggles we have are human struggles. Now, pause here. (laughs) If sin is the reason you're struggling, then that sin is the issue you need to deal with. I'm not suggesting that every other person in the world is struggling with the same sin you're struggling with. But what I am saying is that sincere people, sincerely raising their kids to the best of their ability, working on their marriage to the best of their ability, working in the workplace, and on and on we could go, sincere people doing the best they can have very similar struggles in their lives. In part, this is the reason that the New Testament church was established, that we're told to not forsake assembling with each other, that we're supposed to come together. This is why we not only go to church on Sunday morning, but we have groups that we can meet with over the course of the week. We need to get around like-minded people who have a heart to serve God and live for God, but are struggling with the same stuff we're struggling with. We feel like an imposter because we believe that everyone else out there who is achieving is doing so without difficulty. We feel like an imposter because we believe that everyone else out there who is achieving is doing so without difficulty. So how do we move past this imposter syndrome? I think a couple of things. Number one, uh, recognize that even very elite professional people experience this. <laughs> uh, for those that are honest, you can hear conversations and listen to podcasts and watch interviews. And and, and often uh, musicians <laughs> at the top of their game and comedians at the top of their game and athletes at the top of their game will talk about this. That they just don't feel like they belong, even though they're at the top of their game. Maybe they worked a lifetime to get there and now they're there and it's surreal to them and they don't feel like they belong. This is something that high-achieving people very commonly, very regularly experience, this idea that I don't belong, I'm an imposter, if only they knew. So that's one thing. Understand, every parent you know, (laughs) every marriage or married couple you know, every good employee, every person trying to live for God, all of them have had this thought. So that's one thing. Don't feel alone. Don't isolate yourself. This is a common feeling. But how do you address this? Or how do you deal with this? Feelings are weird. You can't tell someone how to feel or not to feel. I can say to you, stop feeling like that. And if I said that, that would probably amplify how you feel. So may not be helpful. Um, But what I can say is this. Instead of focusing on how you feel, Focus on what God has set in front of you. This is very simple, but I think we move past it really quick sometimes because it's just too simple. If we are sincerely doing what God has called us to do, then God has equipped us to do it the way that he wants it done. And there's nothing fake about that. If you have children, you have been called by God to raise those kids for the glory of God, for Him. If you have kids, you can know that God wants you to raise them for His glory, for His purposes, for His honor. 
He wants you to raise them in such a way that they can go out into the world to make a difference for him and for others. So do that. You say, well, there are struggles and there are difficulties and I don't feel good about it. And when people say that I'm doing a good job, uh, I have the thought, if only they knew. Stop. Again, I can't tell you how to feel, but you need to be so focused on doing God's will and working in what God has placed you in, where God has placed you, that the right response to something like that would be, well, (laughs) by God's grace and in his power and in his strength, we're doing our best. For his glory, we're doing our best. We don't have to blow it off. We don't have to pretend like we've got it all together. In fact, we could probably help someone if we acknowledge that, man, yeah, it's a struggle sometimes, but we're doing our best and God is blessing. God is working. You'll be a help to someone who hears that from you. We could look at every area of life, but instead of focusing on how bad you feel about what you're doing, ask yourself this question. Am I doing what God wants me to do? If the answer to that question is yes, and I've talked a lot about that on this podcast, how can we know God's will and how can we understand what God wants us to do? So often it comes down to doing exactly what he has revealed to us in his word. Are you living out what he's called you to do in scripture? But if you are where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, then you're not pretending, you're not faking, (laughs) You're not even taking credit for his goodness and grace in your life. You're simply simply living out an obedient life to God, your creator. This perspective changes a lot for me. Because when I start to feel like I don't belong, if I know I'm where God wants me to be, then I do belong. Not because I worked my way there or placed my way there or manipulated my way in the door, but because God has placed me there. And if God has placed me there, then I'm where he wants me to be, and I can move forward with confidence. I think about Old Testament stories as we finish up, and there's so many great stories. I think of characters like uh, Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was living in exile. I mean, this guy was kidnapped, (laughs) taken into another kingdom, but God showed him favor. God equipped him intellectually, and God equipped him with the ability to speak, to communicate, to lead. And because of that, he found himself in the court of a king, and really over decades influenced the country that God had placed him in. It would have been easy for someone like Daniel to look at his circumstances and say, I don't belong, if only they knew what I was really all about. But instead, we see in Daniel's life again and again and again that he does exactly what God has called him to do. And because he's so focused on God's will, God uses him in an amazing way. I think we've got like Nehemiah in the Old Testament, an amazing story in the book of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah, same thing. <laughs> Exiled, kidnapped, brought into the kingdom, was serving as a cupbearer, a butler to the king. And through a long series of events, God uses him to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem, to live in such a way and highlight in such a way that God is indeed God. And even the pagan kings understood that. 
He could have looked at his life and said, I don't belong. Or he could have looked at his situation and said, I'm a butler. I have no place going back to Jerusalem and doing this work that God has laid on my heart. But he knew he was where God wanted him to do. In fact, in the book of Nehemiah, when some people came to him and said, hey, come meet with us. He said, I'm doing a great work. (laughs) Why would I leave that work to come talk to you? He focused on what God had called him to do. I think we all have moments where we feel like imposters. We feel like, man, we're just trying to do our best. We're not trying to be deceitful, deceptive. But truth be told, if people really knew what we were all about, they'd turn around and walk out. You're looking at the wrong thing. Are you where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do? If so, take heart, have confidence, and trust God. I hope that that is a help and an encouragement to you today. Uh, So many of these thoughts I have, and I have them to share with you because I'm working through them myself. (laughs) So uh, this is a good way for me to be able to work through this, and I hope it's a help to you as well. Again, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do that. If you haven't signed up for the 22 for 22 challenge, you can do that as well. Jump over to Life Audio, lifeaudio.com. You can find other great podcasts there. And I would encourage you to spend some time, some great additions there, even recently, some wonderful content. So please go and check that out. Thank you for joining this week. I look forward to talking to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at LifeAudio.com.